Welcome to Transformation Nation with your hosts, Jason Krantz and Jordan Morrow. Whether in your personal life, family, career, or more, each of us has the power to transform. Our episodes are designed to help empower everyone to transform into the person that they want to be. Jump into this episode to learn how you can become who you want to become. Hey everybody, how you doing? Jason Krantz here with my good friend Jordan Morrow. Last session, if you didn't catch it, got to go back. Jordan gave content that was just absolutely brilliant. Uh, what we're looking to do with this episode is really outline more practical steps. What are the things that you can do on a daily basis to really uh, get started in your data literacy journey? Jordan, how you doing, buddy? Oh man, I'm doing I'm doing so well. Like it's even with all the the chaos, the sadness in the world, you know. Hopefully, we're able to find silver linings and and smile. And my calendar at work is beyond busy. You know, we were talking right before the podcast on how actually busy I've been, and and we were actually talking about this, joking around, and how tired you get just from talking all day long. As weird as that sounds, but man, I, I would rather be busy um, than not. And it, this, this is perfect. This is a great way to end my Wednesday right now is oh, to yeah. talk with you about this wonderful talk. Yeah. Like you said, man, you said it perfectly. It's better to be busy. It's much better than the alternative and kind of looking at, you know, continuing the conversation we had last time, um, you outlined just some really great stuff, but, but boiling it down to that practical application, I think the first question is how can people get started? So this is, this is kind of that, entry-level golden question that you get if you think about it, right? How do I get started with data? How do I get started with math? Any of this stuff. With data literacy, it's it's almost kind of a nuanced way of looking at it because normally when we think of data and analytics, we think technical. Well, if you remember our previous episode, we know that data literacy is not technical. So what is it that we could do to get the ball rolling? And the way I describe it is I've coined the phrase, the three C's of data literacy, right? They are curiosity, just start asking questions. That's all you need to do to start, right? Far too often, and we're seeing this a lot during the COVID-19 pandemic through a lot of things where people just take whatever is said at face value. They're not curious to dive into it, right? There, It's like, oh, this happened, move on. Um, mm-hmm. Like in COVID-19, for example, one of the top leading CDC pandemic experts um, basically was like, every model is wrong. And not that people aren't trying hard to make good models. Don't don't mistake wrong or incomplete models for being not trying. No, it was because we didn't know what the denominator was, right? How many people have been affected? So just be curious and ask a question, right? The number two C of data literacy is be creative. The human mind, right? The human brain is so powerful. It's such a powerful computer in and of itself. If we just sit here and allow data and analytics to be mundane, to not bring the human element, to not bring storytelling, to not bring these different pieces into it, man, what what a drag. What a waste of the power of the human element. Mm -hmm. So start with curiosity, asking the questions. Bring in your creativity. It could be, oh, my experience shows this. Let me add this to the data. And then finally, uh, critical thinking. That's the third C, critical thinking. It goes right along with curiosity. We have to be challenging assumptions, right? We have to be challenging what is presented to us. We have to be working to understand it better. We can't just look at social media, the media, the news, 
and what's put in front of us and not critically think mm -hmm. about it. Take that then to your business career, right? Think about your business career. When we just take everything at face value, what if that person who's putting it out there just runs with it? Here's a prime example of someone having critical thinking. He actually, I think, got in trouble for actually asking the question. So there's curiosity, all of this. So in one of my prior roles, um, we had this like data science, um, data analytics and BI brain trust. There was about four or five of us, I think, on the team. And this group was putting together analysis, data and information. My VP went to a meeting where a senior vice president um, had manipulated the data to suit their argument. And it's, it's perfect because the, the team who puts those numbers together is our team. So he knew right off the bat that it was wrong. So he thought about it. He challenged the assumptions. He was curious. He asked why. He raised his hand at this meeting and basically was like, those numbers are BS. Um, and this is a senior vice president at a very powerful mm -hmm. company. So we need curiosity, creativity, critical thinking. Start there. Then you can start to look at other things. Oh, maybe I do want some more analytical skills. Maybe I want some statistical background. Maybe I do want to get better at building data viz. Let's start mm. with those three C's. I like that. The critical thinking one in my mind. Oh my gosh, yes. If you do not have the ability to, to think critically, it is Absolutely. the backbone for everything. I know um, when, I'm, when I'm hiring talent, the number one skill I look for, critical thinking. Because if you have that muscle, you're going to figure yep. out the rest. But much like common sense, you, critical thinking sounds like, oh, yeah, it's real easy. It's no brainer. Just like common sense. Common sense isn't that common. The ability to think is exceptionally powerful. And that sounds ridiculous. Like I, I fully acknowledge on the surface that sounds ridiculous. But let's peel that back yep. a little bit. What does it mean to think, right? means really asking good questions. In my mind, it's about good questions. And this is why uh, you hear me You hear me talk about it all the time. You see me on LinkedIn always talking about why business yep. perspective matters so much in the data and analytics community is because if you do not have that perspective, it is so hard to ask good questions. And I'll just use myself as an example. Um, if I were to go into the biopharma or you know DNA space or whatever it is, and you gave me all this information with everything I would ever want to know about RNA and DNA or whatever it is, I, I, I would be of zero value because I don't have any yeah. context to apply my skills or perspective against that data. And so that's why I encourage anybody who's listening to this, especially the young guns that are listening to this, to build out those critical thinking skills here. So important. Kind of, you know, taking it up to, to from the individual level to the organizational level, who really should own this in an organization because it's a very romantic idea. I think everybody likes the idea, but taking it from an idea to an actual thing is quite difficult. And these types of, you know, leadership roles probably don't exist. In organizations. Dude, it's it's so such an it. interesting question. And it's, it's one, like th think about our, our careers of data and analytics, man. We, we chat with companies all over. We get to interact with people everywhere. But there's this rolling theme out there that data and analytics has a freaking magic button somewhere, right? And or or that they want the easy answer. What I mean by easy answer is, Jordan, just tell me this person owns it. How much it's going to cost you this? That's not how it works. It's not. <laughs> and it, I, I don't think any sort of business line should really operate in that easy button mentality. So Donald Farmer, he's kind of the Yoda of BI, um, has such a... Um, 
a well-respected career in it. He worked for Click, my company was at Power, uh, Microsoft Power BI there. And he brought up, I think, what is one of the best answers I've ever heard of this. Start data literacy initiatives at an organization where it starts. Right. It doesn't matter if it's let's say it's your a mm-hmm. chief analytics mm-hmm. officer and they're like, we need data literacy. It started right there. Start working with them. Maybe it's a business analyst who's mm-hmm. been building data visualization forever, not getting adoption. Man, I think we need data literacy. Start there. Now, what that means, though, is that's not where it's going to remain. But start the conversation there where we hear um, what it is, how it works all these different things. So this person says, oh, we want this, we want that, we want this, we want that. Um, You're you're starting it in the right spot. Then you feed out there, right? So, oh, you're a business analyst. Mm -hmm. Well, tell me, where do you source your data? Who is it that you work with? Who do you send your reports to? Oh, the director or the VP of analytics. Let's chat with them because we need this to be bigger than just one small area. So it's start where it starts. Now, to add on to that though, you won absolutely need to have leadership buy-in. You absolutely do. Um, So you need the C-suite, you need the executives or whoever the highest person up the chain is within data and analytics. You need leadership buy-in. If if you all of a sudden started building strategy for companies who have never agreed to do business with you and all of a sudden you walk up to them and say, I've got your strategy, man. Here it is. (laughs) Pay me my money. Money? No. Think about it in a business, right? I'm running a data literacy initiative. I don't care what executives say, where the money is. You then run up to them and say, I need half a million dollars to do this. And it, you know, my, my program definitely doesn't mm-hmm. cost that much, but you get what I'm getting at. It's like, they're not going to go with it. So start where you start, yep. get executive yep. buy-in, and then get yourself evangelists, right? That grassroots movement of people who will be excited about it. You do that. You're starting the culture to really adopt this. What I took away from that organic grassroots, right? It's like a hybrid because you're getting the support. You're getting okay from mom and dad, but then you're going to, you want to try to make it organic and grassroots. I, I think I mentioned this in the last episode, but I'm a huge fan of the idea that you get your advocates. And, you know, like I, I think I was saying before is that get the guy that's not buying into it or get the gal that just doesn't see the vision and convert them because then you've got, you know, just an incredibly potent uh, advocate on your side. But I think the framework that you outlined there is, you know, really, really solid, really reliable. But I also think that that's a framework that others have probably used in other areas of business that could have a lot of applicability to the topic. This is the, the reality is that I've been starting to use an analogy on this. Like, think about if you're a construction worker and I'm your boss and I say, hey, Jason, do you see this room? All this drywall needs to be put up in the next couple hours. There are your nails. Go. And I give you a screwdriver to put in a bunch of nails. That's it. How successful are you going to be in getting that up? Me as a boss, what if I came back to you and said, why is my wall not up? Well, guess what's happening in data and analytics, right? People are not realizing that Data and analytics are just another tool in your tool belt, right? So you've got your tool belt on for your job. You've got email, you've got PowerPoint. (laughs) Along this way, you have data and analytics. So when we talk about, you're exactly right, different parts of a business can breed into data and analytics or be taken away to help us succeed. Absolutely, because data and analytics should just be a tool and enabler. That's what data literacy does, right? Is it enables you to do this. So take heart. Take things 
yep. in these other areas of the business. Don't sit there and like data and analytics should not be the belt itself. It is a tool in the belt. The belt is going to be the strategy and the outcomes your organization wants. Use data literacy to empower that. People ask me, they're like, oh, so you do data and analytics. I go, no, I don't. I do strategy. I, I yep. act as a general manager. And data and analytics are my tools to accomplish that. And it's 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 a it's a minor but a major uh, distinction, right? Is that you know there's a lot of people where it's like, well, yeah, you do data and analytics. Okay, well, what's the application of that, right? Kind of to use your analogy, which I love. I might have to borrow that because uh, it's pretty awesome. As we're looking at this, you've kind of walked us through kind of the starting points, but like at a high level, what should a data literacy so, strategy really look like? On this one, let me go from my experience, right? And, and gratefully, I was kind of the first of the game to really build a program. Started it four years ago. But one of the things I pride myself on in this program is that I build it based off the trends and the things that I see out there. In fact, if you were to ask me now, did I start building it in the right way? No, I didn't. I started with analytics versus the culture, mm-hmm. right? And that that and so, but you learned because mm-hmm. no one was doing it at the time. My, my boss and I are like, let's just build some analytical learning. It's product agnostic. It's free, et cetera. Put it out there. A data literacy strategy, really, let me go with my six-step framework really around it. The first thing that you really do is you build your plan. Again, think about what you're trying to accomplish. What is the outcome you are looking to accomplish with the data and analytics in your organization? Now, that outcome better be tied to the overall company strategy and outcome, right? So, now, look at what data literacy needs your organization has. Is it decision-making? Is it we're really good here or there? The key, though, is that you need to assess the individuals. So your strategy should really be focused on what is your organization trying to accomplish with data and analytics? Where do we have weak spots? What is happening in those areas? Then you need to assess where people are in their skill set. That is the key. The, the reality is... I have a growing fear that there's a trend that people think you can just get an out-of-the-box data literacy strategy, and it works across this, any company. That's mm-hmm. not the case. Companies are different, right? You specialize in manufacturing. Mm-hmm. I do a lot of work in healthcare. Those strategies could be vastly different. Now, that's not to say that data literacy theories, mm-hmm. like how to make a decision with data, correlation versus causation, those are constant, but the applicability and the context are different. And so you have to assess where a person is. Once you know where a person is, you can provide better prescribed learning for that person's comfort level with data. Then you also need to build into that strategy. How will this help the culture? How do you evolve the culture? How do you make it shift? Like Lori Silverman would say, how do you make it shift and, and change in the appropriate way? I like to say, how do you weave the DNA of data in there? So the strategy really needs to be about What are the outcomes? What are you trying to accomplish? Assessing where the organization is and where individuals are, giving them learning to fill the gaps, and then making it an iterative process, right? It's a circle. Um, After they go through some learning, give them different learning. Advance, advance, advance. This is an ongoing thing. I mean, here's a prime example. The smartphone came out Mm -hmm. in about 2007, 2008, 2006 time period, right? iPhone, Apple. What version of the iPhone are we on? 1.8. 10 million, you know, I mean, like the click software for the organization I work for updates multiple times a year. We're living in an era where things can change and drop on on the beat of a drum. And like think of COVID-19, everything shut down. I I can't believe, like, I know that it's been hard. I know jobs are lost to all this, 
But I am amazed and astonished how quickly we were able to shut things down. That changed the landscape for good. And, and these are things you have to incorporate in your data literacy strategy, that there's going to be changes. It's ongoing and it needs to be iterative. I love the idea of, of, you know, it's not customized, but it is kind of customized because it's one of the things that I think we talked about. I can't remember if it was on an episode here or just offline was the, the overarching trend within our industry and software vendors in particular of like, this is the box yeah. that's just going to solve all your problems, right? And, and companies oh, yeah. have been buying that for years. And this is an opportunity I look at for us to get it right, for us to, to, to nail this so where it's actually going to deliver on the value because the value, sure, it's going to be financial and strategic and all of that. But as we talk about one of the central themes here, this is something that if it delivers on even half of its promise is going to help people outside of work. It could potentially help develop those critical thinking skills, those the, the economic literacy, the financial literacy, things like that without having to get like, you know, super technical uh, in a lot of this different content. And that kind of gets me to my next question for you is I, I feel this one all the time. And, and I always chuckle at it, not, not because I'm making fun of anybody, but it's just about the perception of, you know, people come to me like, hey, I want to I want to develop my data literacy. What kind of <laughs> package or statistics? I'm like, well, yeah. no, 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 stop. You don't need to develop these really robust technical skills. I'm like, learn Excel, get better with these things. And, you know, like I, the analogy I use is that, uh, and I think I shared this one last time, I'm not an accountant, but I know how to read yep. the output of the accounting, you know, the balance sheet, the income statement. I know how to use that to make decisions. So that's my take. What, what's your take? For our listeners who work in this field, how many different hype cycles come and go, right? How quickly do they come and go? It doesn't mean that those topics are not still relevant. It doesn't mean that there's not still power in them, but they're always coming. Like data science, data scientist is the sexiest job of the 21st century. Then you had big data and Hadoop. Now you're getting into AI and ML. You've got Python and R. What do I need? All these terms out there. The reality is not everyone needs to be a data scientist. Not everyone needs to be a statistician nor technical. What we need to do is get them confident in being able to communicate with data, have conversations around it, asking good questions of data, being able to work with it, manipulate it, maybe so. That's not a problem. But we st- you, you don't need the technical skills. Think about an organization. I like to use like an example of let's say an organization buys 10,000 licenses of some analytics software. Maybe it's ClickSense, right? The company I work for. How many of those 10,000 licenses are going to end users, business users, analysts, and how many are going to technical developers? 100, 200 to the technical side, and then over mm-hmm. 9,000, 800, 9,900 mm-hmm. are non-technical people. So what we need, this is why culture matters so much. This is why a holistic approach matters so darn much. It's not to say you don't have to learn technical. You don't have to, but you can Right. It's not to say if you want to, don't do it. Get better. I'm a big believer that getting every single person. I would love to see um, math. And sorry if there are any math teachers on here. Math in junior high and high school, not teach geometry, but make statistics more mandatory. Geometry and elective. Because statistics is such a language Mm -hmm. in business when it comes to data and analytics. So Mm -hmm. you don't have to learn technical skills. You just Mm -hmm. don't. I'm with you. Far too often, what was done in the past was they, they would buy software, 
and that became your strategy and it was forced on the people versus a strategy and teaching people where they mm-hmm. really need to go. And then on top of it, we are living in an era or a gold mine with data and analytics, my friend. And the software and technology that is out there is power. I believe mm-hmm. you're a big Alteryx user, right? I hated it at first, but now I'm like, why would I not? And what does it do for you? Man? Alteryx really is powerful. a brilliant company that <laughs> supplanted the need to be a data scientist yourself, to be a statistician yourself, and allow the yep. technology to work. Here we go. Mm-hmm. As a tool in your tool belt. And your job is to upskill yourself yep. as an employee, not to know how a Markov chain analysis is done in statistics, but to be able to look at the results that the, like an Alteryx software is doing, like the augmented intelligence that's built into the quick software. I mean, all these things. And here, here's a prime thing that I think sits on some people's minds. And I think it is a fair question. I was in South Africa speaking to, I don't know, 20, 30 employees at the company that brought me out there uh, to speak at this big conference. And someone said, are all these tools gonna make us lazy? What, let me before I give you my answer. What what's your response if someone says to you, you know, Jason, I, we have all this augmented this and that. It's embedded. Is it this making us lazy? What what's your response? <laughs> nope. I'll tell you. I tell you why because I get rid of all the low value activity and I can actually focus on the stuff that adds value. Yes. What I tell them is I say, okay, look at it this way. Imagine you're trying to build a data visualization that used to take you two to three hours. Now the software will do it for you in 15 minutes. Did that make you lazy or does that open up an hour and 45 minutes to two hours and 45 minutes of time for you to what you just said, do the important stuff, to dig in, right? To learn, to grow, to understand. That to me is the key and that is why one reason, of course, among many, um, and everybody should walk away from these two episodes uh, as part of the new data literacy legion, we'll call it. But that's why data literacy matters so much. Yes. If we have tools that could do those things for you, get yourself strong at asking questions, at digging in, at finding insights, so you can make a, a strategic decision for the company's overall strategy. You know, that excites me for a number of reasons. One of the reasons why, like using Ultra as an example, that was when I used to program my own SSIS packages. I used to do a lot of stuff, man. And I'm like, oh, you're you're a rookie. You're you're not real data scientist if you do it the other way. And then I finally thought about it. I'm like, why would I waste that time? Because that's why I look yeah. at it. Waste that time just because I'm being stubborn. Because this is this is the thing I'm extremely passionate about. And I know some data scientists actually a lot will probably disagree with me on this, but that your value is not in data engineering, unless that is exactly what you do. It's in deriving value, strategic value from that information. And certainly there's going to be exceptions. People will disagree with that. But what I like to do to illustrate to young guns, because I don't advertise a lot, but um, I have some pretty decent technical (laughs) jobs. Like I can, I can hold my own with a lot of the technical community. I I don't, I don't talk about it much. So, So what I like to do to these young guns it was like, I was in your shoes once. Yeah, I used to think this is the only way to do it. Let's do this. We're both going to do a process. I'm going to give you a process. You create it however you want. And then I'm going to create it however I want. And at the end of an hour, let's see where we're at. So they go off and they start hammering the keyboard, programming, doing all this stuff. They got, you know, they got nothing working. I come back with a complete documented workflow with, you know, clear breaks on what's going on and everything. 
using, you know, like an Ultrix. And I looked at it. I said, how many more hours? I'm done. Here, I loaded it in the database. I got everything done. I ran the models, did geo geocoding, did all the stuff. You don't even have tables created yet. What are you doing, man? My point with that exercise is to show them saying, you don't add value through this stuff. You add value by applying that big old brain of yours to apply critical thinking to answer questions that influence yep. the business, right? And, and it's one of these things that until they go through that experience, it's really hard for them to connect it because it's all that they know, you know? And so that's where I kind of like to kind of like to have a little fun with that and kind of to that point, you know, you know, you've kind of already touched on it, but like, how do tools and software really tie in and empower yeah. data literacy? Over our listeners, they're going to be like, man, they talk about data analytics and fitness a lot um, because, well, yeah, our listeners just stay tuned. Those things will keep coming up and that's what we want to share about. But let's, let's look at it this way, right? Let's take a look at you want to put yourself in a much better place help, from a fitness perspective, your health, you want to get there. So you have a, per, you hire a personal trainer. And they say, these are all the things that you need to do. And then they just leave you to your own devices. You're not going to succeed, right? That's almost similarly what's happening in data and analytics today. But now let's look where tools and software come in. Say that personal mm-hmm. trainer then takes you to the gym with you, or with them. They show you the pieces of equipment. They show you proper form. They show you that less weight is better if your form is off. They show you this weight is for this. That machine is for that. This is your cardio equipment. That is that. And what are those things? Is the gym the end goal? No, the end goal is fitness. And those are tools at your disposal, many mm-hmm. different tools. That is what software, analytics, ClickSense, Alteryx, any BI company, the competitors to click like a Tableau, a Power BI, um, that's what those are. Those are the tools to get your data and analytics fitness level through the roof. And that's why going back to previous conversation, um, earlier in this this episode, why your strategy matters so much. This is why it's not a one size fits all, right? If there's a personal trainer out there that gives every single one of their clients the exact same fitness plan, guess what? That's not going to work. But it doesn't mean mm-hmm. that there's not common themes throughout and common things that we give you, but it needs to be sure. more customized to the individual. Same with data literacy learning. It's not out of the box. It's you're at this level, you're at this level. I like my program that I built, four levels, right? There, there could be many more. They could be maybe less. I mean, it all depends how you look at it. But this way, we know where you stand so that we can get going. And a tool, the, the technology is not the end-all, be-all. It is a tool for you to get better. It's in your tool belt. Use it, though. Right? Don't be afraid of it use the thing like you said mm-hmm. I, i'm with you like when you first yes. get a tool you could get frustrated you're like why aren't you just working you want that easy button and but then you've got time you learn it you understand it you yourself get more comfortable with data and analytics then that tool really gets there it's like when you're sitting there at first trying to lift those weights and you're trying to lift something too heavy you're like oh and so i'm frustrated give it six 12 months and that weight's easy we have done such a disservice in this industry by leaving out these sort of examples and these analogies because it is so humanistic in its nature that we should be tackling it from these angles. The one thing that really excites me, and I kind of mentioned this a little bit before about all these tools, is it, it gets down to accessibility. It's taking potentially very complicated processes and making them accessible 
to people who don't specialize in this space. And again, I'll just go to the Alteryx one because that's the one we're talking about. You know, the, uh, the FP&A team. The FP&A team might have to rely upon, you know, the IT team or, you know, the analytics team or whoever, whatever it is to maybe get a piece of data and, you know, run some numbers because it's too big for spreadsheets. Maybe they got like, you know, a couple million rows of data and they're like, we don't know how to process this. What's exciting is that these tools significantly reduce that technical moat, if you will, meaning that they can start embarking on these more ambitious analytical initiatives without the need of kind of bringing in these traditional um, analytics pros, right? Or data science pros. And that's not to say that for higher end use cases, those needs will exist. Quite, quite the opposite. Those people will probably just get entrenched even more. But, you know, it's for the, the smaller mid-sized business that doesn't need all that. And they can actually benefit a lot from, from data literacy. And, and this gets to kind of the idea of, um, which is a little off topic, but just even understanding right. the data you actually have, right? Once you start digging around and seeing what you can do with it, I've observed that people tend to be like, oh, what else do we got? What else do we got? And I say this with great confidence. Virtually every company probably on this planet is sitting on a gold mine of data that's just waiting to be harvested and used in some meaningful manner to, to improve things, drive business forward. And so for me, that gets me like, very excited because, uh, as I said, a, a process that would have taken me in my younger days a full week to program, QA, test, move into production, um, you can do now in probably about like three to four hours with minimal training using these modern tools, right? They just weren't available before. And that's a, that, and as you're looking at data literacy, it's just, again, that tool to empower yep. that creativity, which you, you talked about before. And so, you know, how do you see the future state of data and analytics being impacted by just all the stuff that's going on now and, and how does data literacy it is play both now and in the future? getting bigger. Like my, we were talking about this before we started recording my calendar outside of maybe clicks user conferences um, has never been busier. And it, here's why though it's, it's before this situation hit companies were investing a lot to try and succeed with data and analytics. There is no doubt of this, but I don't think they were fully in the swimming pool, right? They haven't dove in. Where they were is they were sitting in the mm -hmm. water. They knew they needed it. Um, they knew it was good, but maybe they were still on gut feel. Maybe they were only looking at heuristics, their experience. Um, we had done it this way forever. Well, guess what? Doing it the same way doesn't work anymore. COVID-19 slammed that door shut 100%. And you should see, I won't use mm -hmm. names on here because I, you know, I haven't asked them for permission, but you should see some of the Jason, that have reached out for help. They are some of uh, what I would say the most famous mm -hmm. brands in the world, and not not. The, and I had already been working with a ton mm -hmm. of the most famous brands in the world, and even more are coming out of the woodwork. And I think it's because people are realizing. Think about the situation right now. Everything was shut down. We needed real time, quick decisions. Should be supported by data, and they might not have been able to do that as well as they had hoped. So now conversations are happening about we need to empower, get better. We need better strategy. We need better culture. We need data literacy. Do our tools work, et cetera. That's not going to change just because COVID-19 is going to go away. These are things they should have been doing already, but um, there just wasn't no. the top priority. And I get why. I mean, I, I, I get it. I get it. It was a priority, but other things were there. As soon as things hit the fan, it became a top priority. 
right? There was an article on, in Forbes or the Wall Street Journal um, about this, that one area whose budget hasn't been impacted as much, data and analytics. So these, and I'm going to ask you a follow-up piece because I want to get mm-hmm. you on this last piece. And that is data and analytics are here to stay. They're not going away. We are going to see more embedded analytics, or it should be one of the trends mm-hmm. coming along. AI is going to come along more than it already was, right? Working from home, all these things, things have changed. So let me ask you this. So given that, how do you see the future benefit or power of a, gro- a good strategy, a good data and analytics strategy being a necessity of these organizations? What kind of impact will that have? Yeah, I, I really look at this and I feel very passionately that companies that don't already have data and analytics as a core support pillar, and I say support pillar because it's not a primary driver, you still need people to execute. But in terms of finding market opportunities, finding internal opportunities, it is unquestionably a core component. And I would say for the past 10 years, a lot of companies that have looked at it as a nice to have, like, yeah, maybe we can get by with this. But Quicker and quicker, and I think this has served as an accelerant, people are realizing that this is something we've got to do. And what concerns me about that is leadership teams maybe not realizing the magnitude of the tsunami wave and the data and analytics form that's coming for them and taking the proper precautions, right? And kind of more what I'm getting to is that, you know, like you said, big brands, big brands see it. To me, that's a, that's a, you know, I study markets and economics a lot. And I look for kind of what I call those macro movers, right? It's like when California and New York do something, pay attention. Um, it's like California and New York, your big brands or McDonald's or whoever it is, you know, Capital One, whatever. If they're doing this stuff, they've, they've already got advantages, right? They've already got uh, financial advantages, human capital advantages, all these other advantages that, you know, it kind of pits the small and mid-sized business against it. And that's where, you know, I'm a huge advocate for getting this topic on the minds of small and mid-sized businesses, because for a lot of them, they're not thinking about this stuff and maybe they can't think about it, but that's where something like a data literacy serves as a tool to help bring those capabilities into those types of organizations when it traditionally might not have been accessible. And I say that because I'm a very firm believer that, Information, you know, um, one of the reasons I started my, my company was for uh, because of information inequality that I saw. Certain companies were able to get certain information and small and mid-sized companies couldn't get it. And so I encourage these companies, it's kind of our core theme of this is something we need to be paying attention to. Like you as a manufacturer or whoever it is, like look outside industry 4.0, look outside your four walls, look, look at the market, look what's going on. And you can use data and analytics to do this stuff. But to, to bring it back full circle to your question is I think it's a very significant topic. I know at least when I'm talking to boards and leadership teams that are on boards, um, they're not thinking about this. And part of that is I think because they their whole career, they've never really needed this stuff. So they've gotten to where they are without the need for data and analytics. And what I have to say is I understand that can completely understand where you're coming from with that. However, I strongly disagree. And this is why, because the yep. game's changed. COVID yep. changed the game and it changed the game very quickly. So those legacy approaches might not be nearly as applicable in the future. And it's not to say that, you know, gloom and doom, you, you know me, I'm the eternal optimist, but what I'm trying to do is to point out to people, the reality of the situation is 
If this is not on your strategic roadmap, you better be doing it because I, I guarantee you more savvy competition is going to be doing it. And that first mover advantage in terms of information advantage is significant. And so that's why I encourage all leadership teams and, and business leaders that are listening to this, have the conversation, reach out to me, reach out to Jordan, Let, just, yep. just have the conversation, get it on your long, short and long-term strategic agenda. Well, Hey, I want to thank you again, man, for an outstanding session. Again, I'm hoping the viewers and listeners take a lot out of this. I think you, you, you just delivered some grade a content. Uh, why don't you guys give the people an overview of what we're, oh, we're, dude, talking we're about interviewing you, episode. right? We've had two episodes with me and we're going to need about 50 interview with you. And I, I made it, man. <laughs> Everybody listening, uh, mark it down when we post it out there, but Jason talking about data and analytics strategy, uh, you hear it, he comes at it from a different perspective and it's the right perspective or one of the best ways to do it. So stay tuned. We're going to get that thing going and rolling and, and people are going to want to hear it. There's no doubt. Jordan, thanks a lot, my friend, as always. And listeners, thank you again. If you haven't already, uh, we would really appreciate it if you subscribe and give us a review. We're on all the main podcast uh, channels and awesome. uh, make it a great day. Thanks so much for joining us today on another episode of Transformation Nation. Please take the time to connect with both of us, reach out through our social channels, and start taking those first steps towards not only transforming yourself, but empowering everyone to become who they want to be. Until next time, this is Jason and Jordan. Go dominate, my friends.